Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Coleman, here with my wonderful co-host, EJ Snyder. And we are talking about quarterbacks today, uh, specifically quarterbacks that maybe don't get talked about as much as the quote-unquote big four in this class. Of course, referring to Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, depending on how you want to order them, seems like everybody has... uh, differing opinions on who goes where yes i'm looking at you chris sims uh but we're talking about everybody after those guys the 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 group just below them with uh, a whole bunch of intriguing names some highly talented some uh less so i'll just be kind and say that but they're all going to get drafted regardless before we hop in and dive into all them though uh ej buddy how you doing and what are you drinking I'm doing well. We get to talk about some players that probably don't get as much air. If you follow the draft at all, you're going to hear a lot. You already have heard a lot about those top four quarterbacks. You're going to continue to hear a lot, and rightfully so. Those are the guys that are really you know, counted on as being, uh, for the most part, instant starters who are going to carry a team's fortunes or not. These are, the, these are the quarterbacks below that for teams that maybe don't have the draft capital to get up and get them. Uh, maybe you're looking for a backup for an aging starter that might grow into a starter, the sort of developmental starter position. There's a lot of teams that have quarterback needs this year. So fascinating group of players to talk about. And uh, I have an old standard, the Montucky cold snack from Montana, which is basically their version of PBR. Uh, the cool stuff about this is uh, they donate to clean water act for every uh, beer that you buy. And it is the, Official, unofficial beer of Montana, according to the can. So um, that's always a good time, too. But no, we got great content. We got cold beer. Uh, what do you got to drink? Uh, I have one of my favorite ryes with me this evening. The uh, Whistle Pig 10, Ooh. which uh, is fairly common. Um, it's Whistle Pig's price has gone way up and down over the last few years. I got this maybe a... 18 months two years ago so i have no idea what it costs now um but you can 10 is about i've seen the 10 for anywhere between like 38 on a really good day up to about 50 
me too. Yeah, it just depends on where you, where you go. Um, one of my favorite rides. I love pretty much everything that Whistle Pig puts out. Um, highly, highly recommend it. Um, but that being said, why don't we hop into some quarterbacks here? And uh, keep in mind, all of these guys are they're in the quote unquote group after the group. But I also, even within this group, I think there's several different tiers. You know, some of these guys are going to go help might even be top 15 picks if we're looking at a couple of them that may or may not go pretty high there's pretty split opinions on them i think at least one of them is going to go in the first round you've got two more that are likely to be on day two how high on day two we'll see and then you have a few that are um let's just say maybe day three you know might <laughs> maybe day three. Um, so it, it's kind of an interesting quarterback class because it's very top heavy. I think there's some years where there's a lot of, um, you know, day three lottery tickets that you feel good about. There's some years where it's, there's a lot at the top and, and it kind of falls off a cliff. This I think is one of those years where after you get past the first five or six guys, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a stark contrast between, uh, between the rest of the class. Again, trying to be, you know, diplomatic here when I'm talking about it, but, um, it, it's overall, I think, a very good class. And it, since we're, we're going to start off with Mac Jones here, and I, I want to loop him in with my overall thoughts in this class, which is he is, by all accounts, probably QB4, QB5, depending on who you talk to. I don't really know anybody that, that likes him more than, obviously, Lawrence Fields or Wilson. I, I think his ceiling starts at QB4, depending on who you, know, who you talk about with Trey Lance. Even though he's QB4 at best in this class, when I was going back and I finally finished my report on him about two weeks ago, I had a realization that I like him better than Tua, who I think was universally seen as you know QB2 or QB3 last year, depending on who you talk to. And I, I still like Mac Jones better, which I think speaks to the strength of this quarterback group that even the fourth best guy this year might end up being better than the second quarterback taken in the draft last year. And that's no slight to Tua. I think you and I were pretty honest about what we thought about Tua last year. Like we liked him, but you know, we weren't blown away by him where I think you look at how Mac Jones operated that Alabama offense and you're like, damn, he kind of did Tua's job better than Tua did. Yeah. Everybody got all upset when his wide receivers came out when, when they were asked, Hey, you played with Tua and you played with Mac. Who'd you like? I think it was Waddle that was like Mac. Everybody was like, oh, they never say that. And a lot of people say, look, he's just supporting his guy. Max getting drafted this year. Two is already in the league. But I'm not so sure that wasn't just a flat out honest answer. Like, <laughs> again, for a guy like Waddle, he had a good season last year. He had a great season this year. And he might just like the way Mac does it a little bit better. Waddle's got better speed. Max got a little bit better arm than Tua does, I think. Uh, in terms of deep accuracy, we'll talk about deep power versus deep accuracy. But what we really want to do with all these guys is talk about what are they good at? What are their strengths and weaknesses? Because we don't know where they're going to go. Um, they could end up on a whole bunch of teams. And and what system might they fit in? That, you know, what are the what are our best fits? And where would we kind of hate to see them end up, either from a scheme fit or coaching standpoint? And then at the end, we'll spend a couple minutes talking about dark horses, Anybody outside this group of five that we're talking about that way down the board might provide some hint of light for a team just taking a shot, you know, late rounds, UDFA, 
Um, is there anybody like that? So we'll mention a couple of those names as well. But yeah, let's get to it because we've got five to go. And Max, a great place to start because, like you said, he's for me, he's the borderline guy, right? He's either in that top group and will go solidly in the first round, or he's just outside that group and he's going to be the first guy that goes either at the very tail end of the first round if somebody wants that fifth year of control or certainly in the first few picks of the second round of the draft. I don't see him getting any lower than that with the need throughout the league for quarterbacks this year. I think that fifth year of control that you just brought up is kind of the kicker because if he hits that extra year of contract control is worth more than anything. You know, the the trend that we've seen in the NFL, other than Tom Brady, is you make serious playoff runs and, and Super Bowl pushes when your quarterback is playing on a rookie deal. We, we saw it, you know, happen with Russell Wilson in Seattle, Pat Mahomes back to back, you know, on a cheap cap hit with the Chiefs. Uh, Jared Goff a few years ago wasn't expensive yet when they made their Super Bowl run that ultimately got ended by Tom Brady. Uh, it, it's happened over and over and over again. And I think just getting five years of cheap, good, efficient quarterback play is one of the most valuable assets a franchise can have. And I I do think Mac Jones, you know, uh, uh, he's not perfect, you know, in terms of physical talent, is he even remotely approaching any of the top four other guys in this class? No, but he's a good decision maker. He's good under pressure. He's not immobile. Like, I think he's got better mobility than a lot of other quote unquote pass, uh, you know, pocket passers that have come out. Like when he timed, I think it was like, you know, high four eights, low four nine, whatever was at his pro day this week. I was like, hey, I think he's faster than that on tape. Like, again, I'm not I'm not saying he's Justin Fields. Like he's not running away from people, but he's not a sitting duck either. Uh, I think, you know, velocity isn't super special but i think he compensates uh, for that with ball placement and anticipation and i think again he's got a better arm than tua did because i feel like when tua was thrown at more than 40 yards down the field you know he really had to arc that thing or it would just die on him case in point there was uh, an underthrown touchdown in Tua's last year at bama to uh, henry ruggs i think it was in the tennessee game where i mean he had he had him dead to rights on a mm-hmm. touchdown and the ball just flat out died at about four. And that was after he did a crow hop and everything. And that was the play that I looked at when we broke him down last year on the draft live stream. And I was, I was like, I, you know, the arm isn't great. Whereas Mac Jones was making those throws this year. He was actually leaving the ball with that extra 10 yards of air to turn a 40 yard gain into a touchdown which is why I think, honestly, he he was better than Tua. And that that's not that, – that's with zero hindsight on Tua's first year in Miami. I'm just talking purely as a prospect. I just think this year's quarterback class is that much better where QB4 or QB5 this year is better than QB, you know, whatever you considered him last year. QB3, I think, was what some – probably the lowest you saw him go. So it, it's just – it's a different kind of quarterback class, and I think – when people look at Mac Jones as potentially being the fifth quarterback off the board, that doesn't mean he's bad or lesser. It's just a a reflection on how loaded this class is that he's a legitimate first round quarterback that might not go until 20 to the bears, maybe as like Mm -hmm. the floor. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's the floor. It's it's definitely not the ceiling. There's been some crazy stuff out there about where Mac Jones might go, and he might go high. We again, there's there is thirst. There is quarterback thirst in the NFL, and people will do crazy things if they believe that he can carry them. And again, teams are looking for an efficient guy who's going to provide a solid level of play on a rookie deal for five years. It's going to give them that window of cost control at one of the most expensive positions in football. And Mac Jones, before I watched him, uh, I watched him getting ready for the senior bowl because he did go to practice. He didn't play in the game. But I was sort of on the fence. People were already then talking about Mac Jones at 20 at the Bears. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm not so good with it. After I watched Mac Jones, I was like, if they do it, I'm fine with it. Because Mac Jones is a really solid player. Uh, he's tremendously poised. He's a quick decision maker. He has excellent accuracy. You talked about it, that with anticipation and ball placement, he goes to all levels of the field and he puts his receivers generally in good positions to make the catch and not get killed. He's got good arm strength. I wouldn't say great arm strength. Really, in the short to medium areas of the field, he is fine. He has mm-hmm. absolutely adequate arm strength for those areas. Where you can start to see, you saw it a little bit at his pro day. If the ball's going over 25 air yards, those throws can lag a little bit. He can make them, and he did make them this year. But again, it's about keeping the mechanics lined up. And one of the things that really gets me is the the motion debate, right? How mobile is he? And for some reason, everybody thinks he's Kyle Trask. And no, Kyle Trask <laughs> is Kyle Trask. Like that that yeah. guy cannot move. He runs like he's got like concrete cleats on. Mac Jones has very good movement within the pocket. And he's not bad when he gets outside. Now, he doesn't throw on the run a lot. There's not a lot of rollout in Bama's game. And, and that's a question mark that I've seen on a lot of scouting reports about Mac Jones. Hey, he doesn't throw the boot action game. Like, there's there's a lot of that in the league. I don't know if he can do it. Physically, he can absolutely do it. He is not a statue. He can pick up some yards. He's not going to threaten a defense for 80 yards with his feet. That's not his job. But the idea that he can't move out of the way of the rush or he's not somewhat nimble or nifty if he takes off – is way, way, way overblown. And those are the two things about Mac Jones I think that we see as as negatives that just kind of grind my gears is he can't move and he's got a noodle for an arm. And I'm like, no and no. He's He has both uh, in, in the levels he would need to operate in the pros right now. He's tough. He'll stand in, take a shot, make the throw. Very good pre-snap recognition. A lot of times on tape, you see him see it. And he's like, nope. Right there. Nope. We're going here. We're doing another. He he gets it. He gets alignments. He gets defenses. Very rarely does he allow the play to get on top of him. I didn't see a lot of panic plays from Mac Jones where it was like, oh no, now I've got to do something with the football, or I'm going to take a big sack, or I'm going to have to yeah. make some crazy throw over the middle for you know a contested ball that could be picked. Almost none of that. He knows what's going on, and you see that play play out throughout the play. And then the last point I want to make about him is the deep accuracy. I'm not talking about deep power. We already talked about his limitation. His deep accuracy is better than anybody on this list. Now, again, we're not talking about those top four guys. On this list of five guys, Mac Jones is easily the best deep accurate thrower. He puts the ball where his receivers can make a play consistently when he's throwing that 20-yard plus ball. And 
other guys on this list can throw it farther, can throw it harder, can throw it faster, but nobody throws as consistently accurately at that deep level of the field. Now, can he throw it as far as guys on this list? He can't, but when it gets there, it's in the right place. And that's really important. And I, I, I see people just marvel at how good Devonta Smith is and how good Jalen Waddle is. And I'm like, there. <laughs> There's, somebody's there's getting some, on the ball there's somebody <laughs> linking these two players right and you see those beautiful balls that they're dropping into their hands and not to say they didn't make tough catches they both made contested catches down the field but they made them he put them he gives his receivers a chance with his deep field accuracy and that is extremely important so i i, I wanted to bring this up because you mentioned okay he's in terms of statistics i test whatever you want to say most deep the best deep accuracy among everybody we're going to talk about today Statistically, he's got better deep accuracy than everybody in this class, period. Other than maybe Kyle or Zach Wilson, maybe. Uh, I, I'd have to double check Wilson's exact numbers, but I compared him to uh, last year's class as well because Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. in terms of like 20 plus yard throws, was like the gold standard, like one of the greatest, you know, deep ball seasons college football had ever seen. I want to read you off some numbers because this is absolutely nutty. So last year, Joe Burrow had 78 deep ball attempts, completed 44 of them. So that's 56.4% completion on passes over 20 yards, which was insane. I think it was, you know, one of the top five completion percentages in all of college football on deep passes last year. Uh, Yards per attempt on deep throws was 21.7%. Touchdown percentage was 28.2%. I thought Jamie Newman's TD percentage on deep balls was a lot. And then I looked at Burrow and I was like, oh my God, that's insane. Um, you look at interception percentage. You know, he was 22 and two in terms of touchdown to interception. So it was 2.6 inter, inter, uh, interception percentage. Just absolutely insane numbers. You look at Mac Jones with those same categories. This is all coming from Sports Info Solutions, one of my favorite stats websites out there. He threw 58 deep balls this year, completed 61.2% of them, better than Joe Burrow last year. On target percentage, I mean, was it catchable? Was 70.2% better than Joe Burrow. YPA, 26.7% better than Joe Burrow. Touchdown percentage, 30.6%. A third of the time, he uncorked a ball over 20 yards. That was a touchdown. He had 15 touchdowns, one interception, so he had a lower interception percentage as well. Every single deep ball metric you can think of was better for Mac Jones than it was for Joe Burrow. And don't tell me about talent. Oh, he's throwing to Devonta Smith. He's throwing Jalen Waddle for half the year. Burrow had literally three first round wide receivers. He had, you know, I think like 80% of his offensive line was drafted. He had Clyde. Like he had just as much, if not more talent than Mac had and Mac outperformed him efficiency wise in the deep ball. One of the most impressive deep ball throwers I've ever seen. And again, not just like, not in terms of velocity, but in terms of anticipation, knowing where to throw the ball to fit it away from a safety, throwing his guys open, you know, giving it air, you know, time for guys to run under it, actually using Waddle's speed and letting him separate downfield, not making him slow down. Um, He's exceedingly impressive in that area. And that's why I think ultimately he's going to be a top 20 pick is because if you can score quickly 
and throw deep in the NFL. That is a valuable trait and take everything out of the equation. If, if you are a quick strike quarterback, which he is ironically considering his physical gifts, you're going to be successful more often than not. Yeah. The, all those, all those things bundled into one made me a lot more confident coming out of my full workup. If the bears were to pick him at 20, right before that, I was like, ah, it seems like kind of a reach for need. And, I came out of it going, nope, he's actually better than anything they have on the depth chart. And this is before the Andy Dalton signing. I actually still think with Andy Dalton on the roster, he's still better than anything they have on the roster. Yeah, I probably. think he can be a, a, a better version of Andy Dalton. And somebody might say, oh, that's faint praise. That sounds like you're actually criticizing him. I'm not. Andy Dalton's had a very good career. Um, and I think Mac Jones can start there and get better than that. He's composed, which rookie quarterbacks are going to need to be. We saw that from Burrow in, in, in Bengaldom, right? Didn't have good protection in front of him. And he still made a ton of plays because he knew what was going on. He wasn't getting the protection he wanted, but he was able to get the ball out. You know, in that first half of the season, T Higgins, you know, developed into a sideline threat because Burrow knew when he was coming open, could throw him open. I think we're going to see a very similar progression from Mac Jones, depending of course on where he lands, whether or not he has to start right away, but he's got the skills to, um, and that makes him a bit of a rarity. There aren't that many quarterbacks. There happen to be four above him in this class, but like you said, last class, I have trouble believing, of course he and Tua would have had to been at different schools, but if they'd both come out last year, um, I have trouble believing that he would have gotten drafted below Tua. Knowing what we know now, you know, it, let's just say to a stayed and then opted out or whatever. And they were both in this class. I, I truly think Mac Jones would have gone higher. And, and again, it's, it's not a slight on Tua. Tua is what he is. Uh, I just, I think he's that good. Um, number two on our list of quote unquote, other quarterbacks is kind of the opposite in, in some ways of Mac Jones where like physical talent, he's, just flat out got more he's bigger he's stronger he's faster his arm I mean the ball jumps off his hand um but I think it's it's gotten better I'll concede it's gotten better but in terms of consistency especially under pressure you know how things look when the design of a play doesn't exactly go as expected I think Mac Jones is still far above Kellen Mond from Texas A&M in that regard but Mond, again, you look at his physical talent, and there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks coach, especially when you watch the Alabama game where you know he's throwing back shoulder fades that his receivers are dropping, and they're like, I can work with that. You know, We have guys on this roster that won't drop that ball. I can work with that kind of throw. I can work with that mobility. Because, again, when, when things are going right for Kellen Mond, when that first read is there, he's in rhythm, I mean, and he's delivering the ball, he looks like a first-round pick. It doesn't happen always, and I, I think part of the reason maybe why there's a little bit of slower development than you so, see with some other quarterbacks is, you know, he was a five-star, like, top 15 prospect coming out of high school, uh, you know, at, at IMG, spent a senior year at IMG, and I, I went back when I was doing my eval on him because I, I kind of wanted to get better context of, like, why he took so long to kind of come around to get to this point from where he started early in his career at AM. And I, I watched him in high school. I was like, oh my God, he's just a monster, like physically. Like he was just an absolute specimen compared to all the other, you know, 
16, 17 year old kids on the field. It's like, he didn't really have to develop until he got to the sec. And then everybody else was just as good an athlete as him. And he's like, Oh God, I actually have to play the position. So it took him a while to come along. But the good news is that every single year he has gotten slightly better. So I know we have an old saying on the show, progression is not linear for Kellen Mond. Progression has been linearly positive. Has it happened as quickly as some other quarterbacks in this class, like Wilson or Fields or any, anybody like that? No, but at least it's trended in the right direction. And so if I'm a quarterback and I'm looking at tape from that Bama game where he's making some really good throws, he's got the physical talent. And I know overall he's a hardworking kid that tends to get better year after year. That sounds like somebody who's going to probably get gambled on on day two, maybe somewhere in round two even, just considering positional importance. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere like, you know, San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan and sits behind Jimmy G for a year and just learns uh, and then comes out in 2022 and and looks again once more like a brand new quarterback. Yeah, Mond is the third rail in this draft for anybody with subway analogies. He is he's the lightning rod. He's the guy that you bring him up and there are just polar opposite opinions on him. And you and I start in a very different place on this. I did my workup on Mond, uh, my full workup on Mond before the Senior Bowl. And I watched, uh, what did I watch? I watched South Carolina, Mississippi State, working up for that. And then just recently I went back and was watching Pat Sertan cornerback from Alabama and Mon was on the other side. And so I got to watch him again and it just refreshed all the things I saw. And I remember I sent you an email and I was like, where are you at on Kellen Mon? Cause I think he's better than people think he is. And what I think he suffered from, you talked about his development curve, but he also came in with all the hype. He was a five-star. He was going to AM. a lot of talent, big football state, obviously. And everybody expected him to be great. It was kind of like Tua, right? Every, he mm-hmm. came in with hype and everybody wanted to see it. Jalen Hurts, same thing, you know, came in, played the national championship game. And if you saw Jalen Hurts at Alabama national championship game, you thought one thing about him. And then if you followed his career and watched him as he went through Oklahoma, you thought a different thing about him because he continued to progress. But I think a lot of people made up their mind about Kellen Mond in the first year or two at Texas A&M and then just said, ah, yeah, it's that. And when I went back and watched the film from this year, from 2020, he didn't look like that. I've seen him for all four of those years watching defenders against AM and everything else. He was poised. He was accurate. His sense of timing and spacing is very good. There's a run that he goes on in that Bama game from about mid-second quarter to about the end of the third quarter, and he is tearing Bama to bits. Yeah, he that's when he's accurate. working in the middle of the field. He is on target. He's hitting the slants. And he's just one after another. And everybody says, oh, no consistency. He makes like 15 to 20 throws in a row just walking them down the field. And anybody that says consistency probably made up their mind about Kellen Mond in his first couple of years. Now, is he perfect? Does he do it all the time? No, but I can show you film of Drew Brees where he gets inconsistent. But everybody forgives him because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? I'm not saying Kellen Mond is Drew Brees. He's not. But he's much more consistent. He has continued to improve. He has great physical skills and he has harnessed those. You look at his mechanics, especially on the short, especially short throws, right? A lot of quarterbacks on short throws because they have plenty of arm, just kind of toss it. He is, you look at like Brady on screens, right? His mechanics look exactly the same on a screen as they do on like an 18 yard slant or a 15 yard out, right? 
and Brady's fanatical about that. And Mond is much more polished this year on that short stuff. And he delivers the ball right where his receivers, he creates yak machines, right? He lets them run because he puts the ball in the right spot. And those are the things that make you an effective pro quarterback. Yes, you need to do them consistently. And when the play breaks down and you're a young quarterback, can you get out of it and make yards? He can. He's a tremendous athlete, as you mentioned. Great runner. Good sense of when to get down and protect his body. Um, Very good runner when flushed. Easy arm to the boundary. He's got all those physical skills, but he started to bundle it with consistency, ball placement, accuracy, timing. And you see those runs. There was a run in each one of those games, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Alabama, where he just hit stride and for a while was like, why are people not talking about this guy? And then you bring him up with people and they're like, ah, Mond, he's not consistent. You said that early. And I was like, I challenged you. I was like, "Mm, watch just this year's film because I know up to 19, you're right. He would have wild swings and it costs his team. He's progressed beyond that. So if you haven't watched Kellen Mond in a while, go back. He's definitely going to have those plays that are sort of out of envelope, out of structure. Uh, But he has a lot of very polished pro plays, ball placement, accuracy, timing, anticipation. He does that stuff a lot better than he used to. And the physical skills are all there. You can, you can build with that for sure. See my, my thing with him though, on this debate about consistency, is he more consistent than he used to be? Absolutely. But you talk about that run that he went on against Bama. Uh What was packaged on each side of that run? It was a pick six. There was a there was another throw early in that game on a slant where I, I don't know how on God's green earth it wasn't a pick. the Nemo throw. <laughs> there's n- there's no way he didn't see the safety. Absolutely zero. Like there there was three. I know by the one, one you're talking about. Running, there's running there's triple a mesh slant. of players. The ball comes out and the receiver even looks surprised. He's like, oh look at this. Yeah, it actually came through. Zero chance he saw that safety. Just got lucky on that one. There was a dropped pick on another slant that he misfired on that Sertan dropped. So is he more consistent? Yes, he'll get those, you know, 15 play runs where it's like, okay, everything's firing on all cylinders. This is great. It's the one bookend play on either side of those run that I still get a little bit worried about. Now, to his credit, the, the stuff that Bama was freezing him on because his issue to me is still post-snap processing. It's probably one of the only issues he really has left. The mechanics are good. The accuracy is good. Obviously, physical skill set's good. I don't think he's terrible under pressure. Um, sometimes I, I feel like he wants to stay in the pocket. Like he, he really wants to be a pocket passer almost too much. And there yep. were times where I'm like, dude, just run. Um, But the thing that really causes him issues is post-snap processing when a defense changes the coverage picture on him. And anytime Bama got in a hole where they're like, we can't stop these guys, they would call something wacky. That was what that pick six was on. I sent it off to Vass. I sent it off to Coach Kogan, who literally runs Saban's system. I was like, what the hell is this? And he's like, I haven't seen that before. That's a brand new, like, that's a new wrinkle. It's almost like a two invert, but they're dropping eight and they're bringing a corner off the edge for like a boundary side creeper with a three man rush. And they're running it out of Raptor personnel like they haven't done that before. That's new. And I was like, okay, and I I sent that to you. I was like, okay, so they ran something that they've never run before in order to trip him up Mm -hmm. because he was tearing them up. 
because he was hurting so, them bad. Yep. Because he was hurting them bad. But that still is the, the post-snap processing, is if a defense throws something wacky at him, sometimes he's a little bit too, I don't want to say robotic, but like too locked oh. in. And they will. And he'll, I mean, that's the NFL, right? All rookie starters, I don't care who they are, whether it's Wilson or Fields, they're all going to see stuff they haven't seen in college, right? They're all, even Mac Jones, who's seen a lot, they're all going to see coverage rotations from the Steelers defense that they've never seen yeah. before. You know, they're, they're going to get surprised and that's okay. It is going to happen. And the other time to, to sort of add on with you and the times when it doesn't go well, yes, the rotation stuff. And the other one is red zone. When he starts running out of real estate and Bama did this mm. too, like when he gets packed up, and, and a lot of quarterbacks struggle with this. He is not alone. Not just rookie quarterbacks. There's quarterbacks in the NFL that are great between the 20s. And you get them down into, you know, 15, 12, 15 yards worth of compressed space. And, and the secondary can use the back boundary to really limit the play. You have to be, everything's tighter. Everything's faster. Everything's quicker. Windows are smaller. And he can stall when he gets down especially tight and is asked to hold the ball. Now there's two sides to that. One, they gave him the rein to do it because another quarterback we're going to talk about on this list. I, I watched a game where they had his team had something like 15 to 18 plays inside the 15 and he didn't throw it once. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I know. Who yeah. You're, yeah. He, they just took the ball out of his hands. They yeah. literally yeah. had like 18 plays inside the 15 yard line of the game and he never threw it once. So that's kind of a thing. Mom's on the other side. They would let him throw it. He wasn't always effective. He didn't always make a mistake. He'd throw a pick or, or you know, take a big sack. He didn't hurt his team a lot. And he will throw it away, which a lot of rookie quarterbacks won't do, which is a nice thing. But those are the two times, this sort of advanced coverage rotations, and he can pack up in the red zone. Doesn't always. Scored plenty of touchdowns throwing the ball. But when it gets compressed, he's not, he's not awesome. But I think he's better than a lot of people think he is. I'm higher on him than almost anybody, if you can't tell. Um, and would be fine anywhere except from, Chris Sims. Chris uh, Sims loves there. him. Yeah. Did you see uh, <laughs> Sims put out his cornerback rankings, not quarterback, but cornerback rankings today? Did you see that? Yeah. He, he, if there's one he, thing I'll say about Chris, he is his own man. He loves to stir the drink. He does. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I like Kellen Mond anytime mid second or later um, for a team that is not. Typically, I would. I'm not advocating he gets thrown out as the preemptive starter right away. In fact, I think that's probably a poor situation for him. But as a midseason starter behind somebody that's a veteran, I actually think that would be a good situation for him. And he can fit a lot of offenses because of his physical profile. And again, that willingness, he kind of over wants to stay in the pocket. So he can pass from the pocket. He can certainly throw from the roll. And if you're going to do something really athletic, um, he's he's down. He's got all he checks all those boxes. I think his sweet spot starts somewhere around, depending on what happens in the first round, the Panthers and Broncos at pick 39 and pick 40. You also have Detroit right after them at 41. You have the Giants right after that at 42, which is a maybe. I mean, they're going all in on Daniel Jones, but you never know. <laughs> I'm like, Giants, mm, that's interesting. The other ones, I'm with you. Like every the Niners other place you at 43. Uh, I could see him in the Niners system very, very easily because the guy that I compared him to in college was Kaepernick. Really? In a lot of ways. 
build wise, I can see it. They're both, I mean, his shoulders are like 10 feet wide. Build wise, arm wise, <laughs> leg wise, uh, in terms of their ability to put something behind the ball. We didn't talk about Mon's arm, but when he wants to let it go and he doesn't, he wants to shove it, you know, 55, 60 yards down the field and never have it get more than about 15 yards off the ground. He can do it from just about any platform. Yeah. And Kaepernick could do the same thing. He could rip those rockets. Now, I think Mond is a little more polished than Kaepernick was coming out. Again, this is this is where comps get really funny. I'm talking about Colin Kaepernick in college. Um, I think Mond is actually has had more experience, more snaps, and he's got more polish. Like mechanically, he's got more polish. Um, but the physical traits, very, very similar. I'm trying to think of who my comparison for him would be and i honestly can't think of one because he's such a unique career um and you know combination of of physical traits and you know the progression that he's made like he's he's a he's a very interesting and i don't want to say difficult to to grade but he kind of is just because it's like almost pure projection and it's it's a lot of hope there but um (laughs) But 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 like you said, I think he's at kind of a better starting point in the NFL than even Colin was coming out of Nevada. Oh, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. That he's farther along, more polished, more. I hate this term, pro ready. Like he's seen more stuff. He fits in more systems. You needed a very specific coach and profile and offensive scheme for Kaepernick coming out, and they made it work. And then they they made him. You know, he progressed and they progressed. They progressed together, which is the best case scenario. I think Mond is more versatile at this point than Kaepernick was when he came out. Fully agreed. Uh, before we get into our next batch of quote unquote other quarterbacks, I do want to thank our sponsor for this week, Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart designs and high quality fabrics. They offer a one-stop shop for all the men's basics, socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts. Whatever you need in a wide variety of customizable fabrics like Air Knit X, Dry Knit, and Warm Knit, Mack Weldon has you covered. They've also created a totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue, where Level 1 gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two by spending at least $200, Mack Weldon gives you 20% off of every future order for the next year. And if you see anything in the Mack Weldon collection that you like over on MacWeldon.com and you want to pick it up for yourself, you can get a 20% discount on your first order at MacWeldon.com slash bootleg and enter promo code bootleg. Plus, if you spend at least $75 on that order, you also get a free silver mask. Again, that is MacWeldon.com slash bootleg promo code bootleg for 20% off Mac Weldon reinventing men's basics. And with that, EJ, let's move on to one of the more intriguing quarterback stories in this whole class, which is Jamie Newman, who I don't know if you want to consider him Wake Forest or if you want to consider him Georgia because he transferred, but then sat out the year uh, yeah. he was an opt out for COVID, went to the senior bowl. Uh, I watched him, God, it must've been about three weeks ago, maybe, maybe a month ago now. And I, I noticed an interesting kind of trend with him, which is all of his best plays were throwing 40 yards down the field, down the sideline to Sage Surratt, where I'm, you know, that it's that, that go ball, it's the back shoulder fade, it's hitting the middle seam. Like he is a Bruce Arians quarterback. 
where, you know, he's, he's, I'm either hitting the touchdown or I'm hitting a check down to a running back in the flat, nothing in between. You don't really see much good work to be done in the intermediate throws, you know, work in the middle. He's, he's like the anti Tom Brady where it's, it's bombs away or I'm getting yak underneath. And he's good at that. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I, it's, it's kind of an intriguing evaluation because there's not a whole lot of NFL offenses that operate like that other than obviously Bruce Arians. Uh, I think the physical tools are really intriguing. He's got a really good arm. He's mobile, not like a, not like a Fields or a, a Wilson or a Lawrence mobile, but I think he can move. He's got size, toughness. I mean, everything you'd like from a character standpoint. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting how he's very much an all-or-nothing quarterback, and uh, I'm not really sure what to make of him beyond that. Yeah, he's the perfect quarterback for the late 1970s Raiders. <laughs> uh jamie newman's fascinating not only because of his transfer but uh his physical stature he's a big dude very strong has all the arm out of this list he's got the biggest arm without question and he loves to show it off he is good at that he had a receiver in sage Sherratt, and if uh, you watch sage Sherratt during the the senior bowl i think joe marino commented one of our buddies over at the draft network how many times have we seen that ball to sage Sherratt? that back shoulder fade like if you watch sage Sherratt tape it's full of that stuff um from jamie newman and other quarterbacks at wake but jamie newman is fascinating because He's the guy that is just dripping with potential. I had people asking me about him last year before he transferred. Jamie Newman, should the Bears wait for Jamie Newman for a year? And I was like, I don't know if anybody should (laughs) wait for anybody for a year because of what happens. But I've been watching him since mid last year. Um, And we didn't get to see him this year. But I started looking at tape of Jamie Newman pretty seriously mid last year. And uh, he's just, he can drive any throw. He's that guy. He's pretty mobile. He's very athletic, so he's agile within the pocket as well. He needs to get quicker on his reads and release the ball just a touch sooner. He is still a guy that is see it, throw it um, for the most part. You do see some where he's leading people, but again, it's it's pretty clearly defined one-on-one coverage by then. And he's just letting it go. And it sort of didn't matter when he let it go. You don't see, like you said, a lot of those middle window throws that are like, okay, that guy's going to come between the linebacker and the safety. And I need to let it go right now so he can catch it. He's got so much arm. He is a see it and let the laser go. And it works for him. And I understand why that's worked for him. Um, But there's just not a ton of that on his tape. And he also needs a little bit of work on sensing backside pressure because he's a big, strong guy and he can take hits. Reminds me of a sort of young Big Ben where he's a little bit less Mm. concerned about rushers and he shouldn't be. Um, (laughs) He needs a little bit. He's not Daniel Jones that has no clock and and completely is oblivious to black backside pressure. He just needs to be he just needs to speed that clock up a tick so he doesn't take as many bad hits. but he is the guy that when it all works together in this class, he is top level. Wow. Like when it's you pretty. see mm-hmm. you, you just, even in this class, and I'm talking about the guys we're not even talking about. I'm talking about Trevor and everybody else. Like when Jamie Newman hits one of those plays and it all works, he goes back on his five-step drop, hits that back foot rockers off and just lasers one, like 55 yards over a corner and say, Sherrod just walks into the end zone. Like, it's breathtaking and you go oh my god can he do that all the time and the answer is he can't (laughs) right now 
Um, but if he gets with somebody, Arians or, or Arians would be a good pick, but I, I could see him some other offensive systems, but he needs a quarterback's coach that is going to understand. It's not that I have to, you know, let him unleash all this stuff. I've got to work him to the point where he can get this consistently and to do the right thing if it's not there. Um, and that's quarterbacking, right? That's not athleting. That's not hucking the ball down the field. That's understanding down and distance. What do I need to get? Should I live for another play? All those things are, you see him do all those things, but it's putting them all together and and putting them in rhythm and then letting him have those four or five bombs down the field in good time when he's got a good chance of completing it. And if somebody can work that out of him, he's not that far below somebody like Josh Allen. Uh, you know, it's interesting you brought up Josh Allen because when I was watching, it reminded me of Josh Allen at Wyoming. Yep. Where, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to throw that go ball from the far hash because you're presenting one high to me. And I know I can throw it there faster than you can run there. Let's have a race. I know I'm going to win. And most of the time he did. And I feel like that's why his best throws were go balls. Cause it's literally like, Oh, for sure. It's play action. The rush is slowed down. It's one read. It's just, where's the safety. If the safety's in the post, I'm throwing it down the sideline. There's nothing you can do about it. And I'm confident in my ability to get it there, which he did. It's, it, I don't want to say it's an easy read, but it's a quick read. Like go balls, I know they, they're the deepest throw you can throw, but it's also one of the quickest reads you can have. Yeah. Is he there really, or isn't he? Is he there or is he <laughs> is not? Is he moving? He? No, he's not moving. I could beat him. And you're absolutely right. And Josh Allen came to mind over and over again in his tape because not only the arm strength, it's similar. I think Josh has a better arm because Josh has. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Josh has a cosmic arm. It's kind of crazy. But Newman's is not far behind. It's it's just a tick or two below. And he can beat even NFL safeties with that amount of power. Um, but yeah, all the things that plague Josh right at Wyoming, lack of consistency, lack of accuracy, uh, willingness to kind of just go off script and, and not just, you know, eat it and take another play, stay within the envelope, right? It was always extend, always try more, um, always try and put the team on your back and, and win one with a bomb. And you see some of those tendencies in Newman, not as many, but uh, there is a similar kind of rhythm to their tape. Where I want him to go, I, again, I don't expect him to, but where I really want him to go in terms of what's going to be best for him is Atlanta, like top around three, because mm. Matt Ryan's going to be there for at least another two years. Like yes. financially speaking, like I don't care if the cap's going up, like his cap hit's going to be like 50 billion in two years. It's like, 44, 44, in. five or something next year. It's really, it's, high. he's not going it's anywhere. nuts. So Ryan's, gonna be there i think they've signaled they're not taking a quarterback at four but that doesn't preclude them from taking one day two and sitting and develop uh, developing behind ryan and, and arthur smith is not a bad choice for that right like, no because i think he can rein him in i think he can I, rein him in a little bit you know get him working in a west coast system which he's never been in before uh he'll have two full years to sit and learn and just from what we know about him as a person, I think he'd be more than comfortable with that. Um, and I, I think, uh, I think it would be great for him to just, because then he'll have two years. Like It's not like his rookie window will be non-existent for the team. Like no. they'll have two years of him for cheap plus a franchise tag year to figure out what he is. 
Um, and, and to be honest, after two years of sitting on the bench and he comes out and, and starts year three, they're going to figure out pretty quick, like, is this guy worth it or not? And if, if yeah. it doesn't work, whatever, it's a third round pick. Who cares? And honestly, he'll probably have some downs before that as well. Right. Matt Ryan is uh, not fragile. Uh, he's not Chris Chandler to bring up another <laughs> Falcons quarterback <laughs> who couldn't stay in the game, uh, you know, but he's getting up there and he takes hits and, you know, it, there is possibility that you're going to get not necessarily spot starts, but, you know, spot finishes um, where he's going to come out and work against NFL defenses and get some tape. Um, who knows? We might actually see a preseason again, <laughs> even if it's reduced, but no, that would be an, it would be a really good spot. He would have a tremendous receiving car, far better than what he had, even at wake. Um, so not a bad fit, but yeah, I want to see a coach that understands that's had a, a thrower before, you know, and that's Dable's had one, uh, you know, big Ben was like that as a, as a rookie, but he's, th- that's a long time ago now. Right. Um, you know, Tannehill is a good thrower and a good deep thrower. And we've seen that developed under Arthur Smith in Tennessee just from a coaching standpoint, not necessarily a team fit standpoint, like Pep Hamilton, right? Pep Hamilton understood what Justin Herbert could do. Um, so anyways, it, it's you want to get a coach like that that is going to do exactly what, you know, Andy Reid and Matt Nagy did to Mahomes, which was, I need mm-hmm. you to do exactly this for two and a half seconds. And after that, just be you. <laughs> we don't want to legislate <laughs> that out of you, but – for two and a half seconds, I need you to do this, see this, go here, do that. Then you're on your own. If that breaks down, feel free. Do, do the thing you do where you just whip it down the field and somebody picks it up. Um, but that would be that would be a good, maybe best case for him. He's, he's fascinating because the highs are so high and the consistency is so all over the place that you really hope that he can put it together because, boy, when he does, it's breathtaking. So I have a, I have a question for you for the next quarterback on the list. <laughs> let's just I say, can't wait. <laughs> let's just say that when Kyle Trask takes the field for warmups and they're mowing the grass, can he run from one side of the stadium before that grass needs to be cut again from growing too damn long? Is he, Are you talking is he about fast enough to do that? the field or the length of the field? Cause I'll that's going to make width. it different. I'll, I'll give him width. I mean, good God! I, I, for a, for a highly touted quarterback prospect, like he makes Jameis look fast, and that's not easy. He makes do. everybody look fast. He probably makes me look fast, and I have two screws in my ankle. Like he's not a runner <laughs> in any stretch. And the other thing is, he's not terribly mobile because there's a difference between being a runner, right? Be- between having field speed and being able to move, and he he's not great at either his pocket movement is not very good um and his field speed is non-existent like it's a if we're talking about madden ratings and it's you know one to a hundred what do you give kyle trask uh... <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I legitimately wonder because when we went to the senior bowl we we met the guy that works for EA sports that does Madden ratings. He was at the senior bowl filming with his team and starting to work out baseline data for like how fast these guys are and getting GPS data. And like, they actually do put a lot of thought into that. And I'm like, what is he? (laughs) This is the guy that's probably going to end up having to hang a tag on Kyle Trask. And what is that tag going to be? I mean, I mean, 
He's a fucking sentient glacier. That's what he is. Yeah, I mean, he. I know a lot of punters that are a lot faster. Um, so, anyways, no, Kyle Trask is he's fascinating to me because he is the quarterback in this class that has the most. Uh, I've heard the most people talk positively about him. Where I got to his tape and I had no idea what they were talking about. Like, and mm-hmm. the other thing is arguments that get thrown against all these other quarterbacks. We talked about it earlier with Mac Jones and Joe Burrow. Like, oh, he's surrounded by all this talent, right? It's not Mac, it's Devonta Smith and Waddle, right? I never hear that with Trask. And the legitimate fact is Trask has seven guys in the last two years on his offense that are in the NFL. Seven guys right it's the same thing right he has his guys that are drafted up high playmakers kyle pitts is going to go in the top 10 all three of his receivers got drafted last year as starting receivers his running back got drafted like you know you never hear that with trask and when you really go back and look at trask i watched trask getting ready for the senior bowl and i was like first impression wow he can't move second impression (laughs) oh he can make some throws right because there's that I really do think the non-mobile quarterback, the statue quarterback um, that cannot either move within the pocket or outside of it is dead in the NFL. You can't have a post anymore. They're just going to get hammered. Um, and I think that's going to be Kyle Trask's downfall when he hits the the faster, bigger NFL. But the thing that really struck me as I watched, I, I just watched him again twice this week because I was watching corners, like I said, and I watched Florida versus Alabama. So I watched Pat Sertan against him. And then I watched him against South Carolina. And the thing I was amazed by is how often it's not Kyle Trask being responsible for that offensive success, right? It's Pitts going up with that huge catch radius and just plucking something out of the sky. It's, you know, Kadarius Tony catching one off his back hip and then roasting three guys and going 30 yards. Um, and how many bad throws? I mean, people get on Kellen Mond for a lack of consistency. You go to Trash, and there's a bunch of balls in those games. He just airmailed. Like, mm-hmm. they've got a guy that was a transfer from Penn State. His name's Shorter. <laughs> He's not Shorter. He's like 6'3", might even be 6'5", 220. Big dude at receiver airmails it right over his head and it was not a throwaway like oh you're covered and i'll no he's trying to throw it to him and you watch his mechanics break down he'll pull his hips open point his toes at somebody and then do this and ask any quarterback coach quincy Avery, or anybody else that kind of breakdown of mechanics is automatically going to lead to scattershot accuracy and you see it in trask's tape all over the place so for everybody that's saying oh he's this polished guy and he just needs to you know sit in the sit in the pocket and be a battery and distribute he doesn't even really do that super well now he can make a bunch of throws he is a big strong guy he's got enough arm to operate in the nfl but he's got these limitations with accuracy with where he puts the ball for his receivers in terms of he he hospital balled a bunch of florida receivers in those two games not just what Jimmy I mean, Lito Pitts' but... concussion. I mean, the, the yeah, bad no. concussion that he got. There's a bunch yeah. of stuff that really hangs on on Trask's doorstep. And I he's like made a Teflon. Very few people are hanging it on him. A lot of people will say he's slow, but everybody else is, oh, but he's good at everything else. And I'm like, he's really not going back and watching, you know, again, third, fourth, fifth game against him, watching defenders against him after my senior bowl workup. I was like, 
I just came away and I, I sent a DM to somebody I know that works with a lot of folks in the league. And I said, man, he's, he's really not good. Like I, my, my opinion didn't stay the same. It's actually declined. And he was like, he's got no future. Right. Uh, in terms of anywhere to starter talent, like he is a clipboard holder extraordinaire. Um, but that is, you know, that is the general opinion. And I was like, I, I can see it now. If you'd said that to me three months ago, I said, no, nah, no, nah, that's too harsh. Watching his film, watching a bunch of film and diving deep and, and again, rewinding and looking at where was that ball and when did he throw it? And, you know, guys, he missed downfield. I mean, not missed on a throw, just completely didn't see. Um, yeah. There's not a ton that I come away with going, this is an NFL quarterback. Like this is a good functioning NFL quarterback. I, I think at baseline, he is the guy that is, you know, QB sort of two and a half, three, you know, on your roster. And most teams don't carry three anymore. So what are you really going to do with Kyle Trask? And I, I would be happy to be wrong. If Kyle Trask came out and, got in a West coast offense and was quick distributing and accurate and, and they cleaned up his mechanics and everything came together for him. I would be thrilled. I don't want anybody to fail, but watching all that talent around him at Florida and how many times he was the thing that wasn't great or missed the throw or held him back or put him in a bad position. I was really shocked and it just doesn't seem to stick. You know, some people, and I, I saw there was like a, you know, halfway through the college season, in the SEC season, I'll say that because college football was so split up this year in terms of who was playing when. You get a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Kyle Trask, first round." You know, he's. Oh, I saw he, that. I he, like, you know, he looks like Nick Foles out there, and I and I was like, <laughs> "He looks like Nick Foles." He's like, "Yeah, well, he's not mobile, but you know, he can make the throws down the field, and you you protect him." And I was like, "Nick Foles has been on like five teams, and since he won the Super Bowl, he's been." you know, cut or traded like twice within like three years and nobody wants him. And you're saying his upside is Nick Foles, you know, who, who had one of the best rosters of the last 10 years in the NFL. Like you go back and look at that, you know, 2017 Eagles roster. They had like eight all, you know, four all pros, yeah. on the offensive line and like four all pro caliber guys on the defensive line. And, you know, they, they still had all Sean who was good. They had a great tight ends. Like that Eagles roster was loaded and, and he won a Super Bowl with that rock. You know how hard it is to build that kind of roster to elevate an immobile quarterback like that, a non playmaking quarterback like that. Like if you're that confident in your general manager to build a world beating roster around him, fine go ahead but don't spend a first round pick on him just don't it's don't that's that would be a terrible waste and and that's not taking a shot at a young guy who has not made the league as we're talking about talent down this list it's borderline that mac jones makes the first round not because he's not a good player but because he would be the fifth quarterback and that's a statistical outlier in the draft the 10-year average for quarterback selections in the first round is 3.6 so that means three is the under and four is the over five is an outlier and six has only happened one time i can't even remember when it did was it 84 uh, i think it was 83 was that the marino class mm. and the elway class okay yeah. so 
your average for, and again, people say, oh, that was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a long time ago. So look at the 10-year average, the modern NFL, the passing-based NFL, the the change in quarterback hits, the change in, in DPI, uh, all that stuff. Modern NFL, last 10 years still. Quarterback thirst has been there. 3.6 is the modern average, right? Will it be above that this year? Almost guaranteed. I would I would put folding money on four. If four don't go in the first round, I would be stunned. Now, five is more of a wild card than people think it is. Everybody says, oh, yeah, five's a lock. Mac Jones absolutely going for sure. Guaranteed. I'm like, statistically, that's, that's an outlier. May happen. May absolutely happen. Quarterback need is really high, but it's always really high. And do you want the fifth best quarterback or do you want the – second best or third best offensive tackle or the fourth best wide receiver in a deep class or the very first best safety, right? Or center or edge, right? Edge two or quarterback five, you know, where's your board stack. So that's why those guys get pushed down. Now, do I think five will go probably because of that fifth year of control, but don't give me this Kyle Trask in the first round stuff. No way. He's, he's not that kind of player. It would it would be it would be as surprising to me as some of the Seahawks picks. <laughs> if that happened. Uh, I mean, if they're uh, it's it's probably a good thing they traded away all their first round picks for Jamal Adams because <laughs> at least they got something out of it. I mean, yeah. good lord. Now, last uh, last but certainly not least, well, maybe depending on who you talk to, maybe it is least. Davis Mills from uh, Stanford, who's gotten some mild. I don't want to say hype. But I'd say buzz. Buzz. People yeah. have been talking about him the last couple of weeks. Um, and I, I made a comment to you before we went on air where I was like, absolute best case scenario, <laughs> like best, best, best case scenario. He is reaching the pinnacle of his ability. He is Kirk Cousins. Will he get there? And almost what was my reaction not. to that? Zero <laughs> percent chance. <laughs> That is the elite, elite. That is like the mutant level Davis Mills is for Cousins. <laughs> um, now, Davis Mills getting a lot of buzz in the last couple of weeks. A lot of people have been talking about, hey, should he be a, I even saw the, I'll, I'll call it clickbait. Should he be a first rounder? And I was like, eh. whoa, 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 whoa. It's draft Who season. Said that? It's silly said- season. There's a lot I need of names. There's a lot of garbage out there right now. So Davis Mills, Stanford, let's talk about what he is and what he is. And he is a big guy with decent straight line speed. He's not super agile. He's not super quick. He does move okay within the pocket. He does have good straight line speed. There's a play in the Washington game where he, uh, his running back fumbles. It's not his fault. And the ball bounces directly to a defender, like one hop into the defender on full stride, going the other way. There's a receiver right next to him. And I thought, well, that guy's got the best shot, but he's got to turn his momentum around and he starts tracking, but he's not going to catch him. And I thought, well, that's it. That guy's gone. Here comes Davis Mills on an angle and crushes the guy on like the 10 yard line. Uh, And I was like, oh, so he can run in a straight line. So he's got decent straight line speed, Uh, a pretty good arm. He doesn't have a great arm. He's got a pretty good arm. Reads are a little bit slow. He needs to get faster on his reads. There's times when you're like, throw it. No, now throw it. (laughs) Then he lets it go. And you're like, eh. His mechanics and his feet especially are all over the place. So he's got um, 
if you talk to quarterback coaches, they want to see a, a compact stride and they want to see feet about shoulder shoulder width apart to start. Um, his feet are wider than that. He's got a really wide base and he's got a wind. And a lot of times he'll just, especially on short throws, you see him just pivot his torso and then kind of go, eh. <laughs> instead yeah. of again, keeping some kind of mechanic and just throwing it a little bit softer. For some reason, he thinks that pointing his toes towards the guy and just kind of sidearm huffing it. And it just goes all over the place. It goes above guys in front of guys behind guys. And it's not surprising because he's trying to throw it from a really weird platform and he's, he's not super skilled at that. Now, sometimes it's right on target, but a lot of times you see this sort of halo effect where it can kind of go anywhere. And his receivers are, you know, aware of that. It's usually backs and tight ends on those shorter throws. Um, in stark contrast to that, he can unleash some very nice shots down the sideline. We talked about Jamie Newman getting that ball out to the sideline, down on a fade or a back shoulder. He's able to do that. Uh, he throws some pretty he, good. He had ones. one against Washington, yes. from far hash that I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's late in the nice. game, yeah, yeah, left yeah. hash, right sideline, and hits the guy deep, like in stride on a ball that's got good velocity, and you're like." Well, where is that all the time? Like that's a yeah. pretty ball, but again, it's consistency wise. It happens once or twice a game. Um, it's not what you need. If your team is going to pick Davis mills, you better be ready for exciting because mm. I don't mean good exciting <laughs> because a lot of his throws are almost right. Yeah. It's on the line between good and disaster. I mean, even in that Washington game, there were several replays where it was like, how did the defender not touch that ball? And a classic, you know, second level sort of mid layers beater for quarterback is get it over the linebacker and in front of the safety. And he throws one that the linebacker misses by ooh, <laughs> half yeah. an inch. And receiver jumps up, has it. to catch it high. Safety's right behind him. It looks like a great throw, but his his tolerance for error was about a half an inch and in the nfl that's not gonna fly he needed to put more air under that ball and surprise surprise he needed to throw it sooner um he didn't do either thing made a very nice but there's a lot of hold your breath throws with davis mills so i feel like he needs a fairly top down i said tune up it's just short of a rebuild on his mechanics on his consistency or you're just gonna see again these beautiful throws mixed with these well he missed a guy at eight yards because he popped open sideways and did this um and that's that's not a guy you want to pick up high right that's a project guy that again if your quarterback coach sees enough in him believes he's a big guy he's tough he's fairly fast um seems like he's pretty well respected by his teammates but in terms of what you do as a field on the quarterback and doing that at a consistent level uh, in the pros, Davis Mills is not a guy that's ready to do that anytime soon. Um, doesn't mean he won't get there, but ceiling-wise, I'm with you. I would say Kirk Cousins is extremely generous because Kirk can go on some runs and has in the NFL that have looked pretty hot. Um, I don't see those runs coming out of Davis Mills in his current form. I, I'm trying to think of, like, what is a good destination – for his career like where do i think he can go that like will be best for him and it it sucks because i feel like they already have a project they're working on <laughs> and maybe they don't want to add another one but i think sure. putting him in indianapolis with frank reich who is a notable drill sergeant with mechanics sure 
I think would actually be really good for him. And not to mention they've got a good offensive line. I mean, they still got to fill left tackle, but other than that, they got a good offensive line. Um, they have some weapons that I'm really excited about, especially with Pittman that I think um, can maybe kind of work with some of the spray and pray that you see with, with Davis at times. Uh, they have a bunch of backs that I think can kind of, you know, help him out with a strong running game. The defense is good. Like there's a, there's a good supporting cast there. Uh, and if they're giving it a go with Carson Wentz this year, and let's just say he doesn't work out for whatever reason, you get Davis Mills on the bench as QB three as just kind of a Frank Reich pet project. Yeah. See, just see what he's got. See what he's got. Cause there is talent there. It's not Jim yeah. Newman talent, but you know, no. you're also going to get him in like the fifth or sixth round. So it's a very low investment for a potentially decent payoff. Um, and I, I would be curious to, to see him go to a coach that can maximize his potential and fix the flaws that we know about. Cause I do think there's something there. I don't think it's like consistent every year no. starter quality, but I think there's something there. And I, I, I want the best for him. Mm-hmm. And I think the best for him is going to that kind of situation. Yeah, I agree. And any quarterback you're getting below really about mid third is somewhat of a lottery ticket. Their chances of success are extremely low. You know, Russell Wilson was famously a third. Um, Tom Brady was a sixth. Uh, Tony Romo was undrafted. Other than that, you don't see guys come out and be starters at a high level for a long period of time from usually anywhere below, again, very top third is sort of the last place that happens. And it doesn't happen there very often. Usually it's top second. Guys like Drew Brees that were the first pick in the second round. Um, yep. That's that's the window for guys that start is first round down to about top five picks of the second round. And after that, anything else you're throwing out is somebody that is a project, somebody that you are hoping to develop. You know, if they hit, like Brett said, it's a tremendous value, right? Even if they're a clipboard carrier on your team for five years and you put a fifth round pick towards them, that's a tremendous return. Um, I'll throw out one other destination for him that I was thinking about. And again, I really do think he needs to be that third quarterback. He can't be one snap away right now. He is not that kind of ready. Um, but again, you know, pitch a late round pick on him. Maybe he goes UDFA. I don't think so. I think somebody will pitch a draft pick at him. But, you know, pitch a late round draft pick, Dallas, right? Have be the, oh, that would be intriguing. Have him be the third quarterback in Dallas. He's got a tremendously good wide receiver core. He's got solid backs. They're they're trying to fix the line. He can watch Dak, who's a guy that came out with a somewhat limited skill set and really developed the top end skills he needed to. He's going to see that consistency. He's going to see that professionalism. He doesn't have the same physical skills as Dak. That's not what I'm saying, but it's it's not a bad setup. Again, if he's practice squad guy or or the third QB, if they choose to keep one, like he could sit in that system, be surrounded by all kinds of talent, see a guy that has really progressed um, and, and hang and, and maybe develop again, that would be best case. So um, you got any dark horses? I got a couple, you got any dark horses that are down the board that you're just like, "Eh, I saw some things from this guy. And, you know, again, UDFA late round, seventh round, um, Anybody that's sort of impressed you down the board? I mean, the one that I had, unfortunately, didn't come out this year. Which is my guy <laughs> that does Liberty, happen, especially Malik this Willis. year. A lot of guys returning. 
Uh, other than that, I feel like I haven't done enough quarterbacks. I've only I've done ten, I think maybe yeah. nine, ten. That you know, you know, Davis was like the last one I did, and he's you know in that general vicinity. I haven't done enough to feel like I have any true dark horses. Do you? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, and one came uh, again watching corners. I was watching UCF, and I ended up watching a game against Tulsa. Now I'd watched Tulsa defense a lot because of Zayvon Collins. Hadn't watched the Tulsa offense a lot, and they've got a guy Zach Smith. He's a fifth-year senior, so he's overaged. If people want to talk about that, um, and he's not a guy you're going to hear a ton about because he's not super flashy. He doesn't have a super big arm. I would say his arm's pretty average unless his mechanics are perfect. And it's rare that your mechanics are perfect. He can display an NFL level arm. Does he do it easily and from all platforms? No, he does not. Um, and the other thing is his mobility is not great. It's better than Kyle Trask, but that's faint praise. He's he's not going to run away from anybody. But he had some real gamer throws. There were a couple of throws against UCF that really caught my attention. Um, one, he stood middle pocket, had a charging middle linebacker through the A-gap, took a shot right in the guts and laid a perfect seam ball about 25 yards downfield inside leverage against the safety, right? Where his, his receiver could basically just lean out and catch it. And I thought, Ooh, okay. That took a, that took some anticipation. It took a ton of toughness. Um, and it took accuracy. He put the ball again, deep field accuracy where his receiver was going to have an easy time catching it away from the safety who was on his shoulder. Um, so those are his pluses that accuracy, anticipation and toughness downside, not a tremendous arm, um, with anything but perfect mechanics. And I'd say lower than average mobility, but he, there were a couple throws in that game against a very good secondary, right? Two guys in that secondary that are getting drafted way up high. And, um, he made some plays. He was able to keep his team moving and, uh, he's eligible again, fifth year senior, um, we're talking about UDFA territory, but there was something there. And again, um, I doubt I'm the only one that saw those throws. Uh, there's some quarterback coach out there going, I could do something with Zach Smith. And again, if it pays off at all, if he even sticks on your practice squad, that's for a UDFA. That's again, a he's fine, undrafted. He's fine payoff. Yeah. yeah. And the other one is Shane Bichelle, right? Who was a former Texas starter, ended up going to SMU. Big, strong guy with some serious flashes, right? He's tall. He's got a big arm. He's had some good offensive talent at SMU. You've seen, you know, again, somebody's throwing him those balls. Uh, and it's him. He's got a ton of experience in tape um, after the transfer. Big arm, good athlete. Somebody's always going to take a chance on a guy like that. I can absolutely see him being drafted in the late rounds. Um, and, again, a place, uh, you know, he doesn't – Trying to think about, you know, maybe Pittsburgh, right? I could see them just taking I mean, a shot. They, they're going to need a guy. Exactly. And I, I don't think he's the answer. Like, I don't think this is Big Ben's successor. Chalk it up now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he has some similarities to Big Ben. Um, they have to start looking. You know, they, they have to start. You got to take shots. The bottom line is. Swings. Uh, and I'll just, this is my mini rant. Teams, fans of teams with solid quality quarterbacks are freaking obnoxious. Why? They're horrible, right? All the Seattle fans are like, ha ha, you didn't get Russell Wilson. And I'm like, you pooped your pants because you thought he might leave. And you <laughs> knew what that meant, right? 
And, you know, Packers fans, they went, you know, right from Favre to Rodgers, you know, Indianapolis fans for a long time, right? From Manning to Luck, right? And they're like, we're well, there, there was that one year in between. Well, that they, they got luck out of, right? They, they <laughs> yeah. sucked for luck. And then, you know, they made it happen. Anybody that's had a good quality quarterback for a long time and has been stable with it is really obnoxious. They're terrible. Bra- yeah, Patriots fans for 20 years with Tom Brady, right? We're better than you. And it's like, you got luckier than everybody else. Like, you you know, yeah, your coaches have skill in developing them. The player stepped up. And that's all good, but people don't realize like how hard that lightning is to catch in a bottle. And when they have it, they're like, nah, 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 nah. and then it goes away and they're like, oh no, like take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks and see how many, how many games that team wins right now. What, what's your, Ooh, what's your best guess? Like not a lot. Six on a in, in, best case scenario, six, seven tops, like seven would be yeah. really good. Like threatening 500 without Russell Wilson or, or, you know, Gino or come on a, a, any sort of average middling or below quarterback. Like, you know, they're just like, we love the Seahawks and the Seahawks are great. And it's like, you love Russell Wilson and he is great. Like you need to appreciate that, but also don't thumb your noses at people that don't have them because I, I can so tell you're a bears fan, yeah. but it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the Packers and the Hawks, like it's perfect, but uh, again, if you catch lightning in the bottle in the draft and you do it for a young quarterback, that's it. That's the ticket for your team. That's your window to go win the Super Bowl, right? You've got cost control. It works. And, you know, I'll be just as happy if Mac Jones ends up on the Bears and he ends up being something and they have a cost controlled window with a guy that's even doing average at the quarterback position in Chicago. That's historic. That's legendary. Uh, but, you know, it's, it is a hard thing to catch. You need to get everything lined up, scheme, coaching, player, supporting cast. You talked about that with Philly. Everything needs to be aligned. And it's very tough in the modern NFL where everything moves. It's kind of one season and one season and one season. There's no longer this dynasty stretch. And the one thing that can unify teams through that uncertainty is having a very solid starter or quarterback. They can make not great teams. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do it, seen Russ do it. Um, they can make those teams look passable. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a Texans fan, we got what four years, we got four years of it and then it all blew up in our faces. I mean, honestly, who knows if Deshaun's even going to play next season anyway, which by the way, I do want to say one thing on this whole Deshaun. I don't even know how many lawsuits it is at this point. I'm not going to make a statement one way or the other. I've been getting a lot of comments. I'm like, why don't you talk about it on the podcast? We don't know anything. Yeah, we, that's, we know nothing. It's not time. It is not time. This needs to play There's out. There's nothing to say. It could be either way, and we don't know, right? We're not yeah. privy to all that information. It could be that horrible things were done and they should be paid for. Or it could be that they weren't done. We don't know. We don't have evidence. That's not our job. We're not going to say stuff about that. We're going to let that one play out. We're not pro horrible things. If you know either one of us, we're anti horrible things. We don't know yet. There's, there's I, I do no tend to, to consider myself anti horrible things. If I think we are both anti. Trait. I think we are both anti horrible things, and it's one of the reasons we get along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you say we get out of here, bud? Uh, we should get we, out of here. We we talked about a lot of 
interesting quarterbacks. Uh, I, I would assume most, if not all of them will be drafted. I'm excited to see where they go. Oh, yeah. And keep in mind, we are going to be doing live draft streams during every single day of the draft. So as all these guys get picked, uh, you come back to this bootleg channel. We're going to have streams going the entire way through with live reactions. So we can give our opinions based on where they go and, and we'll see. I'm praying they go to the right situations because I want all of them to succeed. Uh, statistically, not all of them will, but I wish the best. Uh, EJ, what are you working on before we uh, before we get out of here? I'm working on cornerbacks right now. I'm almost through cornerbacks. I'm going to move on to safeties, but I got to take a break. I got to I got to go do another position, maybe defensive tackles or something just to break it up. I'm watching a lot of secondary tape. And if anybody anybody out there grinds tape, all 22 tape for a secondary is like 50 minutes. A lot of forwarding. Um, if you're lucky, mm-hmm. your plays every snap. Um, it can get really long. Uh, trying to get through them, but you learn a lot about the players um, doing it. It's one of the reasons I got into this is because you're, you know, 35 minutes into somebody's tape at 1130 at night and you're like, oh, he can do that. Cool. (laughs) I know that. So that's what I'm doing. But um, the other thing I'm doing is managing the bootleg online store. And I got notification today that my stuff's on the way. Did you order your stuff? I'm working on it. You know me. I'm order slow your at everything. I'm it's okay. Everything. Order your stuff. So if you don't know, go to bootlegfootballpodcast.com. Address is there for you at the bottom. All the bootleg football merch is there. Want to thank everybody that's put in orders since we launched the store last Friday. Uh, we have orders going to England. Yes, multiple orders going to England. We, of course, have order going to Germany because we have a lot of fans in Germany. Shout out to all of our international fans. And a big shout out to my Uncle Kevin Buffalo because, yes, he was the first one to order the bootleg knit cap. So you won't even have the first one. Uncle Kevin will have the first one. <laughs> so uh, no, check it out. A lot of people have asked, Hey, how can we rep the channel? How can we support you guys? Um, how can we show our friends up that we have better football knowledge than they do? Pretty easy. Put on a bootleg t-shirt. They'll know pint glasses, coffee mugs, caps, and uh, bootleg shirts in your favorite team's colors, which people seem pretty excited about. That is the, Hot seller on the store so far is the bootleg logo in the team color of your choice. So check it out. Um, again, lots of live streams coming up. We have some great interviews coming up, which we can't tell you about yet, but we're doing some of them very soon. Um, you guys have asked for a lot of quality draft talent to show up on the channel, and some of it is showing up within the next couple of weeks. So we'll be releasing those up to the draft. And then, of course, live stream all during the draft. And we will have semi-regular. We're not going to have one this week, but uh, semi-regular live streams to kind of break the top off, get all your draft questions out there. Um, Again, allow you guys to support the channel, which you have been guys and gals to support the channel, because uh, there was somebody last week on the live stream that said no women could possibly watch this podcast. And like two of our first 10 orders were from female listeners and viewers. So thank you very much. All the gals out there that support bootleg. Uh, we love having you, but yeah, busy time. Everybody's sort of pedaled in the metal for the next month. And um, we are so happy that you are along for the ride with us. Uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you everybody for, uh, for riding along with us for another week. We'll be back early next week. I think, by Wednesday with another show, something draft related. Not sure what yet. Uh, you can tell um, us in the comments on this one. Yeah. We're, we're happy to focus on what you all want to see. Uh, and if you don't say anything, we'll probably talk about something anyways, because that's kind of what we do. 
Yeah, it's a little bit of our job. So again, thank you everybody for stopping by. We'll see you next week. And until then, later. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.